The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, powered by Herd Ad Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you. Hope you're doing all right. Plenty to get into. Coach Rule uh, getting the guys ready before they head off to Champaign and uh, call the fire department literally. That happened last night as uh, we'll have an update on just where things are at for Nebraska and Illinois for Friday night. Sounds like things will be okay. Mike Babcock going to be with us. He's in the green room already. Babbers can't wait to hang out. I love it. We'll talk with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity in about 15 minutes. In hour two, Evan Bland joins us from the Omaha World. Harold will get a jock doc on Aaron Rodgers. Is this real? Could he get back before the Jets season concludes? Also news on Randy Gregory, sorry about that one if you're a Denver slash Nebraska fan. Uh, well, we'll get into it. I yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll it. talk Randy Gregory now on to the unemployment line. We'll see how long that lasts. And is Urban Meyer coming back to the Big Ten? Sparty. Sparty, Sparty wants them some Urban. Is that real or not? 489-1240, 489-1240. You can also email chris at halevarsity.com. Find us toll-free, 800-825-5865. can watch the show, comment on the StreamYard, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. can re-watch the show there at HVarsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play to download the podcast. Brennan chimes in already. Felt inspired yesterday from the Crock-Pot discussion on pot roast, and uh, he has fired up some pot roast today. Uh, Nebraska will need a healthy dose of pot roast on Friday night. That is the front four of Nebraska's defensive line. How was it? Did, did you nail it last night with your pot roast? I think so. I think so. Did it you was... share, or is it just all for you? Well, no, 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 well. It was mostly for me, so the leftovers. But, but the roommates get some. The leftovers go to me. They get they get as much as they want whenever it's hot and fresh. As soon as it goes in the fridge, though, <laughs> that is going on my shelf in the fridge, <laughs> yeah. and that is mine. <laughs> okay, so it's it's not unlike your setup with with your good roommates, where things are marked. Uh, there's probably security footage. That's mine. That's yours. Deal with it. Well, I had the same thing in my household. Like. The wife says she she will hide about any and every frozen treat there is. She will bury whether it's the 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 dum dum cones or if it's ice cream sandwiches or whatever's great and probably terrible for me. That is buried in back behind stuff that probably is expired three years ago. And her and Junior both hide it to keep it from me. Pot roast would be a great NIL uh, perk. Some kids want laptops. Others want tablets. Uh, Utah is getting, uh, everyone on Utah is getting a six-month lease for a new Dodge Ram 4x4. Those are sweet. 
to the tune of $6 million. I would say give me a pickup, give me an apartment, and give me uh, Elijah's pot roast recipe. recipe. <laughs> it was good. I'm I, I know there's trading table, but as long as we're asking, uh, Dodge Ram pickups, Not we're not endorsing them other than, yeah, it'd be cool in our garage, right? I, I like what I drive. You like what you drive. But if we're talking free lease deals, that might be pretty high on the old NIL draft dartboard. I like what I drive. I don't like what I drive that much. No, it's, <laughs> no it's, same here. It's, it's good for my purposes, but mm-hmm. like, man. It gets me from A to B to C to D. Tell you what, the Chevy Impala, the 09 Chevy Impala, it gets me from point A to point B. It's a tank in the snow. I've even taken it and done a little bit of light off-roading. Handles it on fine. On purpose. Oh, yeah. Whenever you go camping, you, sometimes you have to you have to take it off road just a little bit. When I think it's of got, off, it's got, when I think of off roading, I think of going into the, the 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 desert of Utah with this big old you know John Deere powered four by four Bigfoot tribute. See, but all I'm saying is my Impala has never once stared down something in front of it and said, nah, I can't handle it. The Impala has handled everything I've taken it through and asked for more. Love that. The low clearance might be a little bit tough if we're in any mountainous terrain, but the Impala keeps it coming. That being said, Chevy Impala 09, not a chick magnet by any means. That's what the mustache is for. (laughs) (laughs) You got to compensate. We got to, you know what you got to do? No, I I roll up in a a 2009 Impala with the mustache. People hide their children from me. They do. Yes, they they do. But it's better than the old painter van without windows. If you show up in a red Hawaiian shirt and a Detroit cap with some, some aviators, I'm just saying. You saying I'm going to look like uh, like Magnum, Magnum PI, PI with the mustache? Yeah, it's a little far. I'm, I'm just you could you you got your Halloween costume figured out. Ty is living yeah. out of a hotel in Lincoln for work. Ty, thank you for listening. Ty is jealous of the crockpot stories. Listen, you I don't know how long you're in town, Ty, but Elijah, I'd I'd chip in on this. We should take Ty some crockpot goodness for you. Have you seen the videos of the guy, though, that, that he, like, always lives out of a hotel for work, so he makes high-quality meals out of, like, all the appliances in the hotel room? So he, like, cooks steaks on the... Uh, in the toaster? Well, either in the toaster <laughs> or on the, uh, the iron. I have not seen that done. I've seen folks throw the old... The, uh, the, the New York Strip and the toaster and, and Gordon Ramsay freak out. What are you doing, mate? You know, so yeah, I, I we need to get more info from Ty on on if he's used the iron to get the medium rare crispness <laughs> that 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 we all desire. And this is why I don't use the iron at hotels, or really anything that's provided at hotels. Good, thank God, Ty. You went to the single barrel, it did not disappoint. So instead of saying, you know what, crock pot, single barrel steak, crock pot, single barrel steak, Ty, we'll we'll try and. Um, Make it worth your while. I will chip in and get some of Elijah's pot roast to you before you leave town. That would be fun. Uh, anywho, Nebraska and Illinois. Remember back at the beginning of the football season as we're trudging through August and we're talking about most important ball games of the year. And we had that discussion for a couple of three days. We all kind of said Michigan's the barometer. Where are you nationally? Where are you when it comes to uh, the Big Ten race, and then where are you in the West? It'll tell you a lot with how you how you look against Minnesota. Didn't finish against Minnesota, but you played well. 
Well, as things have matriculated, Minnesota's not that good. Nebraska's still trying to figure things out on offense. But we're right. This is kind of your one-game season. There's other opportunity to, uh, to get to six, to get bowling. It gets much more difficult from a morale and a momentum standpoint if you don't take care of business on Friday night against the Illini. We circled this Michigan to Illinois stretch just because of the turnaround time, short week, and it's no fun to play Michigan. Uh, It's really no fun to get killed by Michigan, and then you go play Illinois on the road because of their reputation under Bielema and and under Lovey, how physical they've been. Well, Illinois is a a far cry and pretty much in the same boat as Nebraska from a disappointment standpoint. I don't think Nebraska fans expected to be two and three, but I don't expect think Nebraska fans expected Nebraska to be four and one either going into Illinois. Uh, Some combination, but but two and three was, was not something you were dreaming of. Uh, Illinois, though, is is supposed to be maybe a one-loss team right now. The Kansas game wasn't fun. They were supposed to beat Purdue. They've looked very mortal. And it's uh, interesting to see how this thing shakes out. Talking to some Nebraska friends who really love the program. They love the program so much they donate to the program. They're really kind of at a high level of frustration just because of, of how incomplete the offense has been and that's uh, going to be an important talking point can, can Nebraska and we'll hear from Rule in just a little bit but can Nebraska figure out to be a little bit more explosive on offense can they be a little more talented in the in the run game they're going to try and run the football Elijah uh, I don't think they're going to try and run the football up the middle too much or they'll pick their spots to do it, but it's going to be attacking the edge. You'll probably see some quarterback run. You might see both quarterbacks in the run game. And then what what do you get? What do you get from guys right now like Flakes that, that kind of burst on the, the scene for, for a play, but it was a wow moment? Can, can you continue to go to Fedoni? Can you uh, keep, keep um, camp going? Uh, across the middle and and otherwise you do need to sprinkle in some more freshmen and it sounds like uh, Doss has has made some progress and he might be a a bit of a a new face a difference maker that can help spark this offense that's a big ask he's not been on the field because of injury but from a speed and talent standpoint he's different than what you've been able to put out there well and, and yeah you kind of laid out the fact that he's come back from injury but he was a guy that the coaching staff was really high on early in fall camp in terms of those freshman wide receivers in terms of, of college readiness they were high on Doss can he bring something but the question to me is can Nebraska show enough in that passing game did they show enough against Michigan just to keep teams from loading up the box putting eight guys in there uh, can you eventually beat somebody deep and you had the the crossing route to, to Kemp against Michigan that went for some yardage and a very Washington. similar a very similar out with Washington that did enough is that going to be enough to, to keep Big Ten teams from loading up on the box and saying hey we have to respect the deep threat here of Nebraska. I don't think there's been enough just yet, and and that's going to be a key to opening up some of those rushing lanes inside as you laid out, Schmitty. You don't think there's going to be that much room to run inside. It's because teams thus far this year have seen the scouting report in Nebraska and said, well, it's better if they beat us through the air than through the ground because if they 
do beat us through the air, it's not going to be very often that they do that. So we'll load up the box and, and we'll deal with whatever consequences come from over the top. If Heinrich Harburg can maybe hit Tommy Hill in one of those routes that's been Jeff open. Time. Or, or Jeff Sims, if, if he can make a good decision and actually complete a pass downfield. You're going to be willing to take that risk in order to say, we're going to stop Nebraska's inside rushing attack and made him, make him beat us in other ways. Can Nebraska show enough to force teams to, to not put eight in the box every single first down? I haven't seen enough just yet. I don't think Illinois has seen enough just yet. Does Nebraska have that counter punch ready on a Friday night to force Illinois to, to go lighter in their boxes and give you some room to run the ball up the middle? Because that's what Nebraska needs. Your offensive line isn't good enough to run against heavy boxes just yet like Michigan can, like some of your big dogs in college football can. Nebraska's offensive line is not that good. you got to be able to show something that will force teams out of a heavy box and give your offensive lineman a chance on those inside running plays. Friday is all about hope for Nebraska and the rest of the season because of, of where you need to get to six, I think, is everyone's baseline. The, there are those of you that said, listen, it just it's too big a ask to get to a bowl game in year one. I think with the schedule you had, uh, six needs to happen. There's no recourse if it doesn't, other than it, it puts you a little bit behind with, I think, where you want to be with your rebuild. You need to find a way to get impact players involved so your offense isn't so hit or miss. And you've had different versions of hit or miss offense the last several years where it was throwing up the tray a year ago and Nebraska could and would score on a big play. Nebraska's trying to be more methodical now. They're just not very great at at doing that uh when it comes to hope and outlook listen you've got early impatience with this football program a lot of it's on offense because of how inconsistent and low scoring they've been you've been somewhat probably surprised and you like where the defense is at although it wasn't great against michigan you didn't like how they looked against michigan but do you have that impatience intensify on Friday night, absolutely, if you don't get out of Champagne with the win. And if you do win, you're at 3-3, three and three, there's a bye week, and some of that early impatience, maybe the, the brakes are pumped a little bit, again, because you're able to get back to 500 with some winnable games on your schedule. And don't kid yourself, whether you beat Illinois or not, it's still going to be a knife fight with Purdue. That's just where Nebraska's at. It's going to be a nice fight with Northwestern. That's just where Nebraska's at. There's no easy game on Nebraska's schedule because there's nothing but losable games on this schedule. Uh, There's also nothing but winnable games. Right now, the rest of the schedule, aside from the trip to Madtown and a roadie to Michigan State, Iowa coming to Lincoln, and then Maryland as they're unbeaten and almost ranked right now, those are games that maybe if if you win one of those, that's big. You don't want to have to go win all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're getting to that point right now and where it may be checkout time for the fan base. I mean, you're tired of of waiting for, for two decades. I get it. But the again, the early impatience is very real. I think the pressure is mounting in a good way for this football team to respond. And they've had opportunities to, to build up and, and deliver on one of these moments. Colorado didn't happen. Minnesota didn't happen. Michigan was a complete butt-kicking. Here's your next mile marker for improvement and progress. You look better as a team. 
All right, you've played better as a team in comparative examples. Now go get the win if you're Nebraska uh, with a wounded animal sitting at home. Yeah, and you talk about these next couple games, Schmitty, being a knife fight. What's the weapon you want in a knife fight, Schmitty? A gun. You want a gun, and Nebraska right now doesn't have a gun. They can be a better football team, but if you don't have a gun, it's hard to go succeed in a knife fight. Everyone ends up losing in a knife fight is, uh, is, the, is the story of it. And, and yeah. Can Nebraska's defense be a gun? Can that passing attack turn into a gun? What, what, is the option football getting outside? Is that a gun? What is the gun going to be for Husker football? They'll go win in a knife fight. You well, know, it's, it's going to be the run game. We'll see how effective it is. Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Great to have you back. It's Hale Varsity Radio on a Wednesday, powered by Herdat Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in with Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock. Be sure to subscribe to Babbers and do so. Get his newsletters that come out twice a week. A historical look, and of course, a thought on the upcoming matchup. Can send an email to Mike, Mike B at Herdat Sports. Dot com to uh, to get locked in with what Babbers has to say. Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter is where you can follow him as well. Babbers, uh, a trip to Champaign, and uh, we'll see what happens Friday. How are we doing? Yeah, the uh, stadium doesn't burn down first. How uh, crazy was that? I, I, I popped up. Elijah sent me a screenshot, and yeah. a little later last night, I saw the AD say, nothing to see here. You know, he didn't quite say it that way, but... Uh, it was a, a fire that was contained, and we're playing ball Friday. This, the short and sweet, about four-paragraph response. Well, well, whenever you see the uh, opposing stadium on fire, it's an omen of some sort. I just don't know <laughs> what kind of omen it is. <laughs> it was described as a dumpster fire. So <laughs> if, the, if, if the Huskers lose on Friday night, that's a dumpster fire, the way I would describe it. Yeah, they, they, they can't do that. Vegas has them underdog that's dropped a little bit from four to, to, to three and a half now. So pretty much a, a pick em or a coin flip. You get three for being at home. And it's Illinois is one of those teams that you come into the league if you're in Nebraska, you're supposed to beat, and it's not been that way. It's been, quite frankly, very difficult the last four matchups. Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, Matt Rule has respect for Brett Bielema. Um, I said going into the season that Nebraska needed to beat Minnesota in order to be have a realistic chance of being bowl eligible. Now I've had to rethink that. Didn't beat Colorado. I've had to rethink that. Now I'm thinking Illinois is a must win if you're going to get to 6-6. Six and six. I, I, I really believe that because not only is it in terms of numbers – uh, getting you up to three going into the final six games, but also the mindset, the mentality, believing that you can get something done. Um, you don't want to go into an off week, I think, trying to deal with the mental aspect of a loss, uh, particularly to a team where even if you're an underdog at three points or four, um, realistically, you should be able to to win that game. And, it, you know, that's one of the things that Coach Rule said after the uh, Michigan game was, we're going to find out what Nebraska is on Friday night, he said. Um, I, I really think this is this is the critical game, and, and I know I'm, I'm being a little bit redundant from the going into the season, but this is a critical game for Nebraska, um, I believe, and I think Nebraska is capable of winning this game. 
And if you win this game, I think you have a chance to get to six wins. Mike Babcock's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, whenever you talk about that six-win mark, it's something we discussed yesterday on the show. And now that you've seen the month of September, do you still consider anything less than, than six and six to be a failure for Matt Rule in year one? And I'm not saying that the rebuild as a whole is not, is not uh, going well, I, but I do believe it, it puts you behind the eight ball in terms of your rebuild. We, we talked about it all offseason long that six is the number that'll leave Husker fans happy. I think it'll leave the coaching staff happy. Is anything less than six a, a failure in your mind? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I, for me, six and six, it, it's perception. You know, it's not. I'm not the coach. I don't have those guys in the room. I don't know what kind of talent I have. I, you know, how quickly I'm being able to develop these guys and and so forth. And you look at the two, you know, you look at Temple and you look at Baylor and, you know, it took uh, to the third season for him to to really, uh, for those teams to break out. So development probably takes a little bit more time than immediate success that uh, that Dion had at Colorado uh, by bringing in players that could get that immediate success, and now things have kind of flipped a little bit there with Colorado. But um, no, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily. But uh, but from a from a fan standpoint, I think the frustration continues to grow because you're carrying what's happened in recent seasons on your back, and and if if you don't get to six and six. You've got that weight that you're carrying, plus the perception that, hey, things are, you know, we're right back to where we were um, in, in previous seasons. And I don't believe that. I don't think that's the case. Uh, and so I don't put a necessarily a number on it. But I think that uh, I think six and six is a reasonable expectation. But, uh, you know, you can lose games that you're. You're not supposed to lose. You know, look, they had the Minnesota game. They were in a position to win that game, and they didn't because of some things that happened. Um, they were in competitive situation, uh, what, almost midway through the third quarter at Colorado, and then everything fell apart. Um, so there have been some opportunities that, that, that they've missed. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to say six and six is realistic, but if it's, if it's, Five and seven, uh, four and eight. Uh, I, I'm not ready to say, here we go again. Um, you, I think there's reason for optimism still. You just get a different vibe with with rule uh, when we look big picture, Mike. Yeah, I, I do, um, and you know maybe that's where I'm a little bit uh, overly optimistic or whatever because he's so engaging, and uh, you know as. Uh, other people have pointed out, I think that he, he kind of uses the media in some ways to send a message to his players and to his assistants. Some of the things that he says about, uh, uh, you know, where things are at, what the expectations are, um, and how you're, how you are going to be successful. I think he tells us some things that, uh, that are really, uh, that are directed uh, to the players and to the coaches. But uh, yeah, so far I've been impressed with how engaging he is. And seemingly to me, how upfront he is about things. Mike, do you look at this roster and see guys that that either are impact players, or do you have a couple of folks on each side of the ball you think can emerge as impact guys? Nebraska will need that Friday. They were absent 
uh, on on Saturday against Michigan. But as you look at this schedule that I think we all think you can navigate, you're not outclassed and outmatched Michigan-wise with what's left on this schedule, specifically in October. Uh, does Nebraska have those impact personnel uh, to, uh, to to be difference makers on, on a Saturday or Friday for sure? Well, you know, Rule didn't identify him by person, but he said we've got game wreckers. Um, we just need to have them step up and be game wreckers. You know, I think a, a guy like Ty Robinson, Nash Hutmacher, those guys are game wreckers. Um, Luke Reimer, unfortunately, they don't have him. You know, he's one of those guys. I think they've got some guys in the secondary, too. That, you know, they just need to step up. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, from the from the receiving uh, uh, core, you've got uh, Fedoni, um, you know, a tight end that can really get things done. Kemp, you've got um, I think Washington is, is, a, is a good potential uh, game-breaker type receiver, given the opportunity. And I'll be interested to see how the quarterback situation uh, or how they use the quarterbacks against Illinois because I, if, if Sims is healthy now back to 100, close to 100%, I think he'll get some opportunity on, on Friday night. Uh, as well, and I, and I'd like to see them run some option, um, and uh, you know, the old days run some option and then hit that wide open tight end down the field, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Get the get the receivers to block too for you. Mike, obviously the offense can need to put up some points on Friday night, but you, you really get a lot more leeway if that defense can play well. And based on what we've seen the past two weeks, I think the confidence in the defense has, has gone down in Husker Nation. I want to get your thoughts. What is your confidence in the defense headed to, to Champaign on Friday night? Um, it's, it's a little concerning. They haven't had any sacks the last two games. And, you know, that was one of the things that I thought the pressure that they got early in the season, early, the pressure they were able to put on the opposing quarterback um, was really a positive. And it really showed what that – what that defensive line is capable of, what those guys can do, some put some pressure on. Even if they're not the one making the sack, they can put the pressure in up front so that you get the opportunity for the sacks. That's something you're going to have to have against Illinois um, because I think that Illinois is probably going to try to throw the ball. Um, quarterback has seven interceptions uh, to five touchdown passes, so you've got an opportunity there. Um, maybe to take advantage of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the defense will rebound. And, you know, I think that's that's where you have to start. You know, if Nebraska doesn't get a good performance by that defense against Illinois, then there are going to be problems in that game. Mike, I, I you know, I kind of sensed it with Tony White. Elijah and I were listening to it and played it yesterday. And he, I think – was probably not as aggressive as, as he wanted to be. And I think the players maybe felt that. At least that's that's how it sounded to me. And if you got to live and die with man coverage because you're bringing a fifth and a sixth guy or you're bringing more, then so be it. But that's what you were doing against Colorado. That's what you were doing against Minnesota with those pressures, with this hard to prepare for defense and they they tried to get by with with just 
getting home with four, and it, it didn't work the last two weeks. Sure as hell didn't work against Michigan. And as quickly as Tech got the ball out, it was problematic. They kind of had to play more reactionary versus attacking. I think moving forward, you got to be attacking, and if you give up some big plays, so be it. Yeah, well, and I think that was the message from Rule and from White was you've got to be aggressive and you can't be hesitant in what you do. And so you go out there and you try to you you're aggressive. You go after them. You know, you don't hesitate and think. You know, what am I supposed to do? You know, what? Don't overthink it. Just be aggressive. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But the aggression has to be the thing that drives that defense. And I think they have the guys that can do it. But I think that there's been some hesitancy, apparently, from what the coaches have said as they look at the film. And I think you've got to uh, you've got to set that aside and and go after the the quarterback and the and the running backs and and you've got good guys in the secondary. Mm-hmm. You're going to get some. You're going to get the coverage there. Um, you, you can have confidence in that. Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. Uh, get a subscription to his newsletter each week. Send an email, Mike B at herdatsports.com. Babbers will check in again. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Get that fire put out. All right. We'll call the uh, call the department. Love it. Mike Babcock. Always love hearing his thoughts on Husker football. Some thoughts from Coach Rule. Is Urban headed to Sparty? And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio Midweek Edition. Reminder: We are at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill Friday Road Show, four to six, just ahead of a watch party. So get there in La Vista, the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. Myself, Elijah Herbal, up there for Hale Varsity on Friday. And then the watch party, Nebraska, Illinois. Last time we were at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill for a Friday show, Trey Palmer put his Superman cape on, and it was a nail biter, fourteen to thirteen against the Mighty Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mighty Rutgers, but uh, the, the beer tasted a little better that night for a lot of Nebraska fans. So you're invited out. Check out the ball game at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill, La Vista. And then Real Red Reaction follows. We'll be there to take your phone calls, uh, work through some therapy, uh, hear your celebrative tone. If Nebraska gets to 3-3, and where are you leading right now, man? Are you taking the points? Are you giving the points? Are you thinking, on a Wednesday, Nebraska's going to handle this? Or is your mind made up? That's okay. It has to be during our Friday forecast on no, Friday. No, I, I will. I'm not asking for a specific prediction. I will on Friday for your final answer. Here's the thing. I think as I look at it right I now. I don't know. You, you have a not good football team going on the road, taking on a terrible football team. Okay. That, so that's you, how you I put, see it. You put Illinois in the terrible category. I, have you watched Illinois play football I, games this I, I year? I have, and to me... The one thing that gives me pause on the terrible card is their two defensive tackles, first of all, and then the fact that they should have been buried by 100 by Kansas. They weren't. They came back. They made that thing a little bit closer than it should have. I think Mr. Lance has a hell of a good team down to Lawrence, so that showed me a little guts. But for them to just go absolutely nuclear against Purdue – was tough. The third downs were, were brutal. The interception number Babbers threw out there, seven. 
Uh, no Brown to hand off to at running back. It's no good. He, he, now Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. And I know the transitive property is, is hard in football. But Illinois snuck past Toledo. Really did not have much of a right to go win that football game. It took some, some late game heroics for Illinois to go win that football game. 30-28. to 28. Mm. That Toledo team just on Saturday, barely snuck by Northern Illinois 35-33. to 33. Okay. So the Toledo defense allowed more points to Northern Illinois' terrible offense than they did to Illinois. Okay. So it's as simple as that. So, I, so I, I think if the defense is wearing their hitting britches on Friday night, I think if they're ready to play, I think it's going to be one of those ugly games that Nebraska can escape from, you know, 14-3, to 17-3. to 3. It, it comes down to, though, is the defense back to where they were in terms of effort and in terms of intensity as they were whenever they played Northern Illinois, whenever they played Colorado, whenever they played Minnesota? We haven't seen it the past couple weeks. The coaching staff can get those guys playing right and playing with some fire. I don't think Illinois' offense is that much of a concern. Mm. And I think if the defense gives the offense some opportunities, just in terms of, hey, we're going to get some three and outs, we'll get a turnover, we'll give you a short field, I think Nebraska has the leg up in this game. Anonymous chimes in. The Huskers will win every game. They score more than 24 points this year, so they might go 3-9, and 4-8. and 24 is a, a, a doable number for Nebraska, uh, potentially, with the uh, kind of mode they're on. And I know they've scored 17 points in Big Ten plays, so that would be a, a monster step. But, but maybe they're ready for it. And again, the transitive property uh, against you know, who they play in. They may look great because it ain't Michigan and, and Illinois. We'll see what their, uh, their appetite for this season is. I mean, that's what it is, too. Who wants to be there? And I know that's a bold take, but both teams have kind of nosedived. The difference is, is Illinois was a preseason top two, top three favorite in the Big Ten West. Let's hear from Matt Rule. And uh, Matt did not have his fire hat on, but he was asked about the fire at the other Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I think uh, Keith just mentioned there was hey, they sent something. Um, yeah, Su- I know Susan talked to their people last night, and they said it was not as big of a deal as it sounded like. I, you know, I was hoping we could play here. <laughs> so, no, but I'm glad everything's okay there, obviously, and uh, glad everything's okay. So, uh, game on, right? Cue up your your Wayne and Garth moment. So, energy uh, is that something that that Nebraska can also pack on the way to Champaign? Uh, Coach Reed, Andy Reed. Um, when I was at Temple, he was in Philadelphia. Um, I know I know his family really well, and Coach Reed would always say to his team, which would then matriculate to me, you know, all great teams do three things. You know, they eliminate distractions, they create their own energy, they fear nothing, attack everything. And so um, creating our own energy um, is what we try to do at practice, and we simulate that, like even going out at, at Law Tech in the rain delay, you know, trying to create your own energy. Uh, when you're having a tough ball game like last week, you know, you have to try to create your own energy. Um, some guys did, some guys didn't. We created a lot of energy on Sunday night and no one was watching. You know, we created a lot of energy yesterday morning. We'll have to do that Friday night. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be great to be on the road. They'll have, you know, I haven't been to Illinois since I was a player, but, um, you know, they'll, I'm sure they'll have an excellent atmosphere. But on the road together, you know, it's all of us just kind of huddled on the sideline. And that's really where some of the growth for our team is, you know, in terms of that winning mindset of what happens when they take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown, let's say. What happens if you're down by 14? You know, where, where's your energy at then? And to me, 
some guys are really st- starting to step up and realize like, Hey, I could be that guy right now. It's the coaches, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm certainly, I'm not equipped to do that. So can it be Tommy Hill? Can it be GIF? Can it be Ty Robinson? Can it be, you know, um, can it be Ethan Piper? Can it be Heinrich or Jeff or some, so, Billy Kemp? Who, who are those guys going to be for us? And that's, that's part of this process. Um, and so this will be a real, a real challenge for us Friday night in all these areas. One thing I think you're, you're trying to, to figure out, we'll talk with Evan Bland about this. How many guys from a mentality standpoint or on this team are still in a quasi-positive mindset? No, you're not where you want to be record-wise, but is there trust where it needs to be and in their own play and then also what they're being asked to do? Or is it a simple case of you're, you're relying on some front runners when things are great, they're out there balling out great when things go sideways. And there's been enough instances this year where it's, it's gone sideways. Uh, can you overcome that if you're somebody that's been in the program a while and finally it stops you go get a win even if you get down 10 nothing to illinois or is it time to uh to look down the uh the the depth chart and play some of the younger guys who haven't had a history of losing and may give you the same or better production i mean i think we're also at that jump off the diving board point of do you go young and just this season is what it is, and you build for the future with some of the youth if some of the older guys aren't getting it done. And I think that's a question, as we kind of talked about yesterday, that comes back to the surface once a bowl game becomes a lot less attainable. Mm-hmm. If you go one and three in the month of October, and then you start looking at those guys and I think the month of November and saying, let's get you guys ready to go. But right now, I think Matt Rules is focusing on taking this day by day. And he's sure, play the no, guys that's that, a big picture. Take it day by day and focus on getting better every single day. And I think you still have a lot of older guys that are doing that. A couple more thoughts from Coach Rule on this defensive front. Hail Varsity winding down hour one. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. 489-1240. You want to join Hail Varsity Radio? We're presented by your friends with Herd at Sports, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Evan Bland, 10 minutes away, and room for you at 525. We'll get into Urban. Back to the Big Ten. Is this real? Uh, also in the second hour, 489-1240. Couple more thoughts from Matt Rule. And this is a little bit frightening with just the scheme of Illinois' defensive line, how they want to set things up, cut three. Their scheme, because they play with five down linemen basically 90% of the time, creates five one-on-ones. So um, you, have to, you have to win five blocks, and uh, they have to just win one pass rush you know, or one run block to have a successful play. So it's a, it's a real challenge. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and that's kind of what Searles was talking about yesterday. That's being exactly the problem what he with said. Husker football and the offensive line right now is it's not a totality of the offensive line. It's just you can't get all five guys working in unison and getting successful plays. It's one guy letting you down whenever it's five one-on-one blocks, no double teams. I mean, you're going to struggle. You're, well, yeah, and that, that, that is very frightening with their interior talent. And that's smart if you're Illinois. All right, let let the guys go eat, set it up so the other team's offensive line has to be good, not just 
for one play, but you want to put a drive together where you don't get a big play, say you've got to go methodical and it's a 7, 8, 9, 10 play drive to, to get any points. I mean, that's how Nebraska wants to be on offense. They'd prefer some big plays, but those have been absent. But that sounds like doom right now on a Wednesday for me if I'm a Nebraska fan based on how the Lions performed against better talent. And think about what I was mentioning a little earlier this hour in terms of Big Ten teams being willing to stack the box. You got five down linemen, throw the three linebackers down there, get eight in the box. I don't like Nebraska's odds of running the ball inside at all because now you're relying upon guys like your, your tight ends to be picking up key blocks in the second level, which they haven't necessarily shown they can do this year. It relies on a guy like Anthony Grant to be able to break a tackle in the hole and then get yourself one-on-one with the safety. It doesn't set up well for Nebraska to be able to run the ball up the middle, and maybe the offensive line takes it as a challenge this week and they're able to get a hat on a hat because that's the thing. If you're able to get a hat on a hat and clear out a hole, your running back's going to be one-on-one with the safety, and it comes down to Anthony Grant making a move, and regardless, you're going to be into the second level and you're going to pick up some good yardage, but it comes down first to that offensive line being able to pick up your blocking assignments and move your guy from point A to point B, which they haven't shown that they can do this year. Well, and, and quite honestly, the, the safeties that you're worried about or in the NFL now from from Illinois. I mean, they've got to kind of reload that spot. Kirk chimes in on the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube, where you can watch the show and comment that way. It's going to be one of those eye-bleed games of the year for sure. Could be 9-6, 10-7, that type of game. Hey, I think uh, there is beauty in the struggle, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> or or not, uh, the, the perseverance part is what you're souped up to try and, and outlast for Friday night. But beer's going to be cold at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill. So that is one uh, comforting factor. Uh, can find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, download Hale Varsity Radio, subscribe to us there. Can find the full show or just the segment you want to hear can also check out the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity. Subscribe to that and uh, watch the shows. They're reposted and uh, also rewind for you the Hail Varsity YouTube and uh, Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. More of your comments coming up on this matchup on thoughts where the, the, the team is at. And Evan Bland with us, Hour 2 on the way with Hail Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're you were quick on the trigger there, Smitty. Powered by your friends at Herd Ad Sports, Elijah Herbal. And I'm Chris Schmidt. Thanks for spending time. We'll get to all your comments we can in the stream yard. And can find us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Watch the show or hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, O-W-H. We'll spend some time with him talking Big Red. Thoughts on Michigan State and Urban Meyer. Thoughts on Harbaugh from from Joel Klatt and his future in Michigan. We say hi to Evan. Evan, what's shaking, man? Are you at least out on the back patio enjoying the sunshine, enjoying this (laughs) top five day? Are you hunkered down at the uh, sports desk? Uh, well, I 
put in my time, I think. And so, yeah, I've been out a little bit. I know we had our quarter zip conversation last week, but we're getting, we're, we're inching ever closer to that. This feels like really the kind of the first, uh, you know, first real feeling of fall today. It is awesome. It's, we should be on the golf course figuring out a way to do a show remotely from said golf course while we talk and putt for dough. Uh, we are not, but it will be full quarter zip at the Herdat Sports Bar for me on Friday. I'm calling my shot already, Elijah, unless you want to twin it. That's that's fine. The topic of energy, Evan, do you worry about that for Nebraska on Friday night? Well, I, you know, I asked Matt Rule about that today because I was curious, kind of his, his take on that, because you think about, okay, they – they play at Minnesota, they play at Colorado, and those were raucous, hostile environments that affected the offense and, and, and whatever else. And then you come home for three games and you've got the sea of red as it typically is. So, like, I'm, I'm curious how where, where that comes from and, and how they are able to sort of conjure up their own vigor for this thing in Illinois because you think about uh, really the, the comparison to me is the 2017 game, which was also on a Friday night, which was also two uh, teams in Illinois and Nebraska that were struggling at the time. And you had like 43,000 people there. And there were, I remember there were upper deck sections. There were like one or two people would, would have an entire section to themselves. And so, you know, what does that look like? And and Matt Rule said, you know, he cited some wisdom from Andy Reid from when they were sharing a stadium in Philadelphia, and he was at Temple about how that's one characteristic of a great team is they're able to uh, create their own energy. And, and and again, that's not necessarily when it's just in a hostile environment, but maybe it's in a flat environment. And I think that's a possibility. He said they, you know, they simulate that. Uh, they, they even to the point of like, how do you come off of a weather delay um, with some uh, bounce to your step? And, and he would, and he has said that that weather delay against Louisiana tech a couple of weeks ago, he wasn't happy with how they finished that. And so when you sort of look at all these little, um, you know, little mile markers about how the team has come along through this year. I think that's an interesting one to look at is, okay, maybe it's flat. Maybe you fall behind by a touchdown early or whatever. Maybe things don't go perfectly off the jump. So how do you guys as players on the sideline sort of uh, fight through that and, and, and maybe rise up even when those situations occur? So I don't know that we know the answer to how they'll respond, but we do know that's been a focus and something they've been working on trying to improve. Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, to flip it around, Illinois, they, they have to bring their own juice on Friday night as well. It hasn't been the season that a lot of people forecasted for them, a bit down following that fantastic season last year. What kind of motivation are they going to have on Friday night? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I think when you look at, I mean, these are two teams that have been uh, disappointed in the starts that they've had, but I think Illinois even more so, right? I mean, you think about the jump that they took last year you win eight games it really kind of felt like maybe that would be the jumping off point in the Brett Bielema era about uh you know a tough defense and a a sort of a ground and pound offense and we really haven't seen much of any of that I mean Luke Altmyer's come in nobody has more than than the seven interceptions he's thrown to this point uh you know to me one of the most confusing parts about why Illinois has been so bad has been the defensive line because they've got a couple of guys uh, who are going to be future NFL players who were all Big Ten picks last year who were preseason all Big Ten guys 
and it just hasn't, for whatever reason, shown up. And maybe maybe they're missing Ryan Walters, um, you know, their, their old D.C. who's now at Purdue, more than they would have anticipated. Um, but it's it's a group that, you know, this week in year three under Bielema, he's getting questions about what's the identity of this offense. You know, what what, what are you trying to do? Um, and that's that's obviously not what you want. And so uh, even just coming off at this last week, yeah, Nebraska uh, was humbled heavily by Michigan, but so was Illinois against a Purdue team that I don't think anybody saw that thing coming. So as sort of uh, tough of a headspace as Nebraska has been in, I think coming off of that Michigan game, you could say Illinois even more so is sort of scuffling, figuring out what it is. Um, you know, again, with a lot higher expectations for this season than what Nebraska had coming in. What do you think Nebraska's plan will be on offense, given that Illinois has those difference makers on the interior? What are you putting together if you're Satterfield, and what are you looking at with with the quarterback situation? I mean, I think my thoughts is is that it's going to be more of what we've seen the last few weeks. I, I don't know why you'd go away from. Heinrich Harburg on a short week like this. I mean, again, as, as frustrating as that Michigan game was last weekend, like I don't know that Harburg played poorly or was like the reason why things got away. So I think you see more of him. Uh, you make Illinois defend the quarterback run game, which they haven't had to do, I don't believe, since their opener. Uh, and so I think that's probably where you start. I mean, those those two uh, you know linemen that they have in, in Newton and Randolph, those are – have tended to be interior guys. So maybe you run a little bit more around the edge. Um, you know, you, you get a little creative there, some, sh- some swing passes, things of that nature. But again, like teams have been able to run on Illinois despite that. And to me, that suggests that their scheme isn't quite where they want it to be. The guys aren't maybe on the same page that so they don't know what they uh, are, are trying to do on a down by down or drive by drive sort of basis. So, uh, you know, I, I think if you're in Nebraska, you, you run the option as you have been, you pick your spots with play action to go, to go deep and to maybe catch the defense uh, off guard. And then you hope, you know, again, that, that you can figure things out just a little bit better than an Illinois team that in most metrics has struggled just as much as Nebraska. Evan, let's, uh, let's look at the, the bigger picture here with Friday night's game. What would a win on Friday night mean to you in the grand scheme of, of Nebraska's season? And on the flip side, what would a loss mean to you? If Nebraska can't get it done on Friday night against Illinois, what would that mean in the grand scheme of Nebraska's season? Well, I think a win, I mean, it takes you into the into the, the bye week with certainly some optimism. You look at the second half of the schedule, and, like, there's no Michigans on that schedule right now. I mean, you know, maybe Maryland will be ranked by the time Nebraska plays them. Who knows? But there's there's no team that you look at and say, hey, there's, there's no chance. But there's also no team in that second half uh, part of the schedule that you look at and say, uh, that's, a, that's a win. You know, they've got that handled. Like, even Northwestern, I think is is shown to be a tougher out than maybe was projected a month ago. So I think you know Illinois of that group of these final seven games, in my opinion, is the most ripe um, for beating. Like just how they've struggled, uh, just the the lack of momentum that they have right now. Like that's a team on a Friday night. It's not a hostile environment. You should be able to 
to beat those guys. And if you do, then yeah, I think it, it, it ratchets up the intrigue for what Purdue would look like, what Northwestern would look like, what Michigan State would look like. If you don't, if you if you lose to Illinois and you can't get the run game going and you know they're able to run on you, then like I, I don't know. Like it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be uphill I think the rest of the year, especially on the offensive side. Like I think the defense uh, will show up. Uh, you know, I, I feel like their last couple of weeks have been sort of a, an aberration, maybe sort of a uh, of a byproduct of who they're playing, um, it, it, just because of how Louisiana Tech and Michigan ran their offenses. But you know, if the offense struggles to score, you know, ten, fifteen points, if they get shut out again in the first half, like to me, that's that's the big red flag that says how are you going to generate enough offense to be competitive in the second half? So. Certainly, from a perspective standpoint, this is a really interesting game because, again, on paper, like these two teams are are sort of mirror images of each other. It's sort of the Spider-Man meme, right, of the guy, of the, of the, <laughs> the Spider-Man guys pointing at each other. So, I think if you can pull that thing out, uh, you're in the mix in that second half in a really bad Big Ten West. If you don't, uh, you're going to have to work hard to to conjure up some optimism for the second half. Evan Bland is joining us, Omaha World. Harold can find him, Omaha.com, and, and follow him at Evan Bland, O-W-H, talking Nebraska and Illinois. What about the, the feedback you've gotten and the good folks at the World Herald from the, the fan base right now? Frustration level is what out of 10? And uh, kind of couple that with the, the patience part of things. Uh, are, are things teetering right now with uh, with Nebraska fans still caring enough to invest? Yeah, it's a great question. It's and it I mean it's high. I think the frustration level, yeah, is is, you know, eight, something like that. I think you know, you, you understand intellectually that this was gonna be a tough year, that this is year one of a of a Matt Rule rebuild, that they didn't have the talent on the roster and all the rest, but you still have to sort of have it shoved in your face every week and and I think that was the the biggest thing from the Michigan game last week was there was no sort of silver lining that you could look at and say okay well you know they're they're coming along in this area or they they were competitive until the third quarter like there was none of that right like they they fell behind early uh, it wasn't close the rest of the way and so it does it sort of puts uh, it, it sort of shoves in your face this reality that it is um, a rebuild and that's that's kind of where things are and you're in this weird place where the fan base has baggage from previous coaching staffs about process and about culture. Um, and, and you kind of counter that with, with Matt rule, who's done it elsewhere. And this is still just his, you know, upcoming sixth game uh, in Lincoln as, as they it looks to flip the roster and flip the culture and everything else. So like, I totally can understand where fans are coming from, where the, the impatience is coming from, where sort of there's this cynicism that, you know, we've heard this before. Uh, but at the same time, like that's just sort of the reality of the, of the situation is, is you got to build this thing right. And it's, it's a total tear down and, and build up. And, um, you know, it's sort of like, I suppose, South Stadium, South Stadium and Memorial Stadium, where um, you're, you're not going to get that thing where you want it in a year, maybe even two years. And so we'll see if that plays out that way for, Nebraska, but uh, you know, if you're a fan, I mean, those are sort of your options. Are you, you know, you, you kind of lean into it and um, you know suffer through some of these weeks that that Nebraska's played out, or you know, I, I think we you couldn't be blamed for checking out for a while and 
um, you know, checking in on Saturdays and maybe next season and see what kind of progress you made. But there's no doubt it's it's frustrating. Uh, but you know, again, like the, there's really no recourse other than to let Matt Rule do what he's done elsewhere and, and hope that it can lead to some results. Evan, is there anything that Matt Rule and this football team can show you in the month of October that'll that'll show you that this rebuild is moving in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I think it's small stuff, right? Like that's that's the other kind of weird part about where we are in this season is, you know, again, especially if you lose to Illinois, like the the fun big picture goals are all, uh, you know, on life support in terms of a bowl game and uh, having a winning record and, and being in, the, in contention in the West. But like, you know, again, if you, if you follow it closely, I do think there have been signs that things are sort of coming along. Like, uh, you know, Matt Rule talked today about the defensive line and, and that's a group that's going to be really good. I think in a year or two, when you, when you talk about Prince Will, Uman Mielin and Riley Van Poppel and, Vincent Carroll Jackson, like there are guys that they're really optimistic about behind the scenes at that position. He talked about wide receiver. I think that's another obvious spot where you've got half a dozen, half a dozen scholarship guys who figure to be playmakers down the road. Um, and you're still setting the culture and you're still sort of finding that toughness on the lines and, and figuring out all the little things. So I think that's kind of where you have to start is, yeah, by the end of the season, you know, maybe they're six and six, maybe they're five and seven, whatever. Uh, but you have to, at this point, I think, look at the little battles, look at the, the individual player developments, look at the uh, position by position and maybe how far that it's come uh, over the course of this season, and then you, you build on that because, uh, you know, I think, again, if you're just focused on the big picture stuff, if you're, if you're casually following the team, this looks like more of the same. Uh, I, I think it comes down to some of those details that you have to look at uh, to be optimistic about where this thing's moving in the future. Evan, about 30 seconds. Do you see more snaps by the younger kids against Illinois on the defensive line? Um, yeah. I mean, Prince Will has gotten about a dozen a game. You, you figure that'll continue. Um, and Popple, he had a close to 30 against Michigan and, and Rule pointed him out and saying, you know, he wasn't knocked back at all against the Wolverines. So I think you see him as well. Cam Lenhart uh, is back uh, or will be back. Rule said too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a deep group. It's a group that, um, you know, that obviously that's one of the most important positions on a football team, and I do think the depth that they continue to show there will pay dividends as you get deeper into October and November. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World. Harold, Evan, have a good trip to Champaign, and always love talking some ball with you. Thanks for a few minutes today. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. There he is. All right, Evan Bland. Uh, joining us and can follow him on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H. But you know what? I'm kind of getting geared up for for Friday night. I'm excited to be on the road with you, Elijah. It's a road show Friday at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill in La Vista. So check us out there on the road if you're uh, up that direction. We'll get uh, some Big Ten thoughts, some news maybe being made here uh, as we get towards the end of November with uh, the Big Ten. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Wednesday here on Hail Varsity Radio. We're powered by our friends over with Herdat Sports. And Schmitty is somewhere. Schmitty is back into frame. Schmitty is sitting down. He's throwing the headset back on, and he is back. 
Okay, we've got some really good audio here from Joel Klatt. And yes, uh, he was on Cowherd a little bit earlier. So I, I've got to give this shout out. My, my brother Mark, Uncle Mark, been a Ragers fan since the Ruben Sierra era. A Raiders fan? Rangers. Ah. Major League Baseball. Ah, ah. Rangers fan forever. Nolan Ryan was his guy. Loved him some Nolan Ryan, and this was pre-headlock and savage beating to Robin Ventura. There's a cool starting lineup, actually, of that moment <laughs> that I've seen for sale, where you're putting the guy in the old headlock under the armpit, and it's going to town with the right hand, his pitching hand. So, yes, Uncle Mark, shout out you, shout out Rangers, and uh, what they're doing. Um Email from Kent we'll get to as well. More of your comments. Montana Husker fan chiming in on Rule. And uh, can also call us up at 489-1240. Rule gets what's going to make Nebraska football relevant and most importantly seems to be willing to put in the work. Any chance of a turnaround was always going to be a messy project. Lucky to have him. I absolutely agree with the understanding and he's the, the one guy in the state that is going to have to have the most patience because it's, it's his project. And I think he's had good patience. But I, don't think he's been, I also think he's been very real with his players this week and, and from the beginning, from the get-go. And if, if this ain't for you, that's fine. But this is the bar. This is the expectations. This is how things are going to go. And it's centered along development but man right now for a lot of nebraska fans you're wanting to to get all all the freshman whiteouts that are fast on the field you're wanting to um to to go find the next quarterback already you're you're wanting to play some guy that's a freshman or a redshirt freshman on the offensive line all those seems seem quick easy and better alternatives to, to what the here and now is. But he has experienced this. He's seen this before. And he thinks what they're doing right now is, is best in terms of long-term, just for this season. And then you, you can't go back. You can't double back on what you say. You got to follow through with what you say. You got to tell the truth. And he's done that with, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hard process. And there are standards. You're not going to cut short what your expectations or demands are, even for some temporary relief with a painful offense. I commend him for that because too many times coaches say, screw it, get in there, help us win now. But then can you go to the next guy down the road a year later and say, well, I'm going to hold you to this standard. Uh, Meanwhile, you let some other guy get a hall pass because, well, we needed you in the moment. And I think, honestly, that had been ongoing. There had been one of the many problems Nebraska football's had has been inconsistency with different strokes for different folks. And, and he isn't going to play it that way. Uh, he is going to hold everyone to a certain standard. There you go. I think it's very real that if you don't get a good performance out of a Robinson – and what I mean by good performance, play free, play, play loose, and, and go, air quote, have fun. If you're Ty Robinson, um, you're going to see more and more of the Prince Wells. You, you just, you're going to make that move and, and not 
phase out the old guys, but you're going to look towards more of a youth movement because you, you've made your decision that there's a ceiling for some of these guys that have been on the program for a while. And, man, I didn't like how you played at Michigan. You better respond Friday against Illinois. Yeah, and one of the things that Matt Rojas to deal with in this process is it, it's something that, that I mean, even Harbaugh had to deal with at Michigan. And that's the, the for back of a, lack of a better term, the PTSD that the fans have already gone through uh, in the last two rebuilds where you're watching and you're, you're being patient and you're waiting yeah, no, it's going to take some time. They're, they're building them up from a deep, dark spot. And you know what? You have to commit to the process. And at, at the same time, you see other schools around the country who are doing it in a seemingly much faster way. And, and that's, A, not Matt Rule's style. And it's also not necessarily the, the right basis for longevity within a rebuild. And Harbaugh had to deal with the same thing in terms of Michigan fans under previous coaches, Rich Rod and, and others, Hoke, that it felt like those coaches could reach the hump, if you will, but they could never get over that hump. They could get it to a, a, an 8-4, and 9-3 and three type team where you're respectable, you're beating the teams you're supposed to, but in those big games, you're struggling to, to get over the hump. And Harbaugh dealt with that back a couple seasons ago when he had to restructure his contract, and there's the opinion around that, well, Harbaugh just can't get it done in the big games. He's never going to get Michigan over that hump. It's that same kind of PTSD that Matt Rule has to deal with. He didn't ask for it. It's not an indictment on Rule. It's not an indictment against He's the Husker deal fans with it, either. Though. It is just a reality of something you have to deal with that fans are impatient right now because they've dealt with the PTSD of being patient with other guys who didn't work out. And you see Matt Rule making decisions that you don't necessarily agree with because you're not in and around the program every single day. And you're getting impatient too. You're asking a whole bunch of questions. That's something Matt Rule has to deal with through this first season and through this rebuild as a whole. Well, and it's part of the, 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 the giant check, isn't it? It's the hazard pay part of this where you're just dealing with the, the the construction process elijah chimes in unpopular opinion no game for nebraska is winnable until proven otherwise we'll get there but we don't need to, to prep for each game like it's our last go big red uh i don't disagree that they're the the, the winnable game is more of the well it's it's a situation where they could lose as well. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that they're. And we just said that a couple segments ago. Where, yeah, things have changed. Kent's the best. I told you so, guy in the state of Nebraska. He emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com because he has either a photographic memory or he takes copious notes of every show. But I think in August, as we're talking about the importance of the Illinois game that turned out to be, yeah, it is really going to be one of those make or break for the season. Ken emails, and it's been a while since I've emailed. I vote we revisit you and Herbal. The potential explosiveness of this 89th-ranked offense, 120th-ranked in scoring. Yeah, the explosive offensive part of this football team, they've, they've, they've been more about being explosive to themselves with uh, penalties, turnovers, and just poor scoring. Yeah, it's, you got to look at, there's different definitions for explosive. Uh, I think what we were talking about is how detrimental they are to themselves. Yeah, I think yeah, if we go sure. back to that Nixon tape, uh, it is very real. But but even then, look at the offense as compared to where it was forecasted in August compared to now with the playmakers. I mean, Xavier Betts no longer around. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, he's on the on the shelf injured. Jeff Sims, no he's, he's no, got, gi- he's, no Gilbert. Jeff Sims has the play the arm of a playmaker. He's got the the wheels of a playmaker, but he doesn't have. It between the ears right now to go be a playmaker for this Husker offense. His decision making's been suspect. Line's not much better. You're down Gabe Irvin. You're down 
Ramir Johnson, Johnson, two potential playmakers, the running back spot. Teddy Prohaska hasn't gotten back in the way that you thought he would. I think there was a lot more potential for playmaking in this offense as of three months ago than there is right now. And it's, clearly, it's you and I are, clearly you and I would not have projected an explosive offense having our crystal ball out knowing that all this would happen to the Nebraska offense where they'd be playing Harburg. They'd be waiting on Sims to get healthy. They'd be relying on on Anthony and a freshman in Emmett. And Fleeks would be... Wasn't even a, a running back yeah, at the time. Fleeks would be the running back. We, we thought Fedoni'd be a dude or have the potential to be... And, and he's and you thought that. Yeah, and he's been, he's been fine. You thought Marcus Washington would be kind of a go-to. He's had moments, but not a game, a breakout game. And, and Kemp's been okay, but he's not been 8-for-110 in the touchdown every game out of the slot. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Kent, for the I told you so. Love that. And he's not wrong, but I'm still going to stand by that, that, that take from August. There's, there's takes from, from way back when that people can bring up, and I'll say, you know what, I was wrong, huh? and I won't own it. Um, this is one that I will still own that, you know what, back in August, I think the potential for a playmaking offense was there. You've lost some pieces, and... And that happens, well, and I don't think Satterfield's offense has necessarily looked how we expected it to look no. preseason, and that was kind of a closely guarded secret. So that's one I'll stand by. No, and, and I'll say this. I thought it would be way better based on how things ended at South Carolina. He gets a lot of hell from a lot of people. Satterfield does. And he had some, some good weapons around him at South Carolina. They kind of turned it on finally as the season wound down. But it's been tough sledding on offense, clearly. And uh, they are down some of the projected guys that were supposed to uh, contribute to this offense. Uh, We'll see if they can put some points together. So two things, real quick. The state of Michigan and their football programs. What's the future look like for Jim Harbaugh? Well, Jim Harbaugh is unbeaten. They're number two. They're getting votes for number one. They're your favorite right now, along with Penn State and the Big Ten. Joel Klatt went on with Cowherd earlier today, and is there trouble in Ann Arbor? The dynamic with him and his leadership at Michigan How is, is interesting. Uh, I don't like um, that word. I believe that, <laughs> I believe that there is some tension, and it's the reason why the president had to jump in and do the new contract. I don't like that at all. You can find another AD. There's another accountant somewhere in the Midwest. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not getting rid of the president, and I'm not getting rid of Harbaugh. And nothing against ADs, but I can, you know, I can make a few phone calls. I just, I just know that there's some tension. And by the way, it has seeped into this self-imposed suspension to the beginning of this, oh, seat, do we, of this year. Please explain. Well, he had a self-imposed suspension. Right. Michigan suspended him do you think he wanted to do that of course not okay, that's why his I... players had a free harbaugh shirt on <laughs> okay like because they're Boom. not taking a shot at the ncaa by the way think about that right like, just read between the lines wanted ann arbor let's put it on linkedin today <laughs> listen you can't move this kid this guy has done everything for this program i don't disagree I think michigan i don't know what the numbers say outside of like colorado and dion to me michigan is the watch in college football caleb Michigan and Dion. That's well, the watch. So, listen, Harbaugh still has the proverbial grudge, you'd think, about having to rework his contract. Urban, right now, apparently is up for an interview. 
He's had preliminary conversations with Sparty. If if Harbaugh goes to the NFL and Michigan is now a one-state program with Michigan State and Urban, that would make more sense. We'll, we'll get more into this later. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? How's the week? It's been great, buddy. How are you guys doing? We're good. We, we thought about doing a patio show today, but uh, that was not planned. Uh, gorgeous weather. Just the, the perfect type of weather to go rehab your Achilles in Central Park, you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is gorgeous out there. It's, so, yeah, we'll see. Go ahead. No, as I say, it's, uh, it's just fabulous weather here, and uh, we're going to spend our, our jock doc on Aaron Rodgers. He's attacking rehab. He's eyeing a return, Dr. Brandon, this season. Walk me through that, literally, uh, for the Achilles, and is it even possible? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's actually a great question. There's been a lot of interesting, you know, kind of information put out there in the media. Uh, Rogers uh, seems to do a pretty good job at getting his name out there in the media. Uh, but it is interesting. So definitely his timetable he's put forth is pretty aggressive. Um, I would say kind of at least probably at least a month or two ahead of kind of what we normally would think of for even an aggressive return. Um, so as you kind of approach this, he's even kind of thinking about maybe a four-month return, which would be pretty re- remarkable. Um as we look at uh, Achilles, basically Achilles reconstruction and repairs and all the recovery stuff associated with it, there definitely has been a push for more aggressive kind of post-op rehab, um, and that's really kind of the path he's on. So if you look at some of the details that are out there, he already was basically putting weight on this almost immediately, uh, was in a regular shoe within, I think, about two, two, two and a half weeks, which is pretty fast. Typically, what we'll do with these is even on an aggressive protocol is you'll put somebody in a you know, splint afterwards for maybe a week or two. Then you'll go into a boot at two weeks, and at two weeks, let, let them start to put a little bit of weight on it. And that already is kind of pushing the envelope a little bit compared to our you know, previous protocols. So to have somebody in a regular shoe walking around in this already is pretty impressive. Now, there's a difference between being in a regular shoe and being on crutches, and essentially maybe you're not putting weight on it. Okay, well, it's not really pushing the protocol that much, um, other than you just don't have any protection if you trip and fall. Um, and that maybe is what he was doing. Um, but to really think about a timetable of four months is definitely way ahead of the curve. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Talk Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, Aaron said that there's nothing normal about how I'm attacking this rehab, referencing the fact that he's in a, a boot so soon. And he went on to say that his mindset is that he believes in the power of intention. He believes in the power of prayer. He believes in your, in his mental status and the power of will to quote, I believe in making room for the miraculous to happen and tell me, is there anything to that? Like legitimately in the medical world that, that mindset and the power of will can actually help you come back from an injury faster. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a, ter- you know, it's a terrific point. And so, you know, as a sports medicine doc, just taking care of patients in general, functionally, um, that ability to believe that you're going to get better, that you're you know, going to get back to the level you were at before, that if there is any kind of setbacks along the way, you're going to push through that. That is such an important part of somebody's rehab. Um, I can tell you, as you know, I look at our athletes, let's take athletes, for example. When I look at our athletes and I look at, you know, an athlete that has 
same injury from you know patient to patient and same procedure, almost everything identical, um, other than the person. It is amazing to see the differences in those athletes, how they respond. So that positive attitude, the prayer, all that kind of stuff is super important. And so I think that goes a long way in terms of how somebody recovers. Uh, but obviously we are, we are in some ways bound by our physiology. And so that's the part that you have to be you know careful with. And so, yes, it's reasonable to push the envelope. But as you start to get beyond you know, physiology, which you just you need time to heal, um, you need time for that tendon to sew back to get to heal back together before you really start cranking on it, pushing through it. If you don't give it appropriate time to heal, let's say you are you know progressively reasonably well, then you open the possibility of as opposed to better healed elastic type of tissue forming in that area. Now you're probably developing more scar tissue, unhealthier, potentially even more fragile type of tissue that's healing that. And so you might feel great for a while. You're hitting all these milestones, and guess what? Now you might have an Achilles tendon that didn't heal back with as good a tissue as maybe it would have had you rested a little bit more. And so that's kind of where you walk that fine line, and that's definitely where he is. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Aaron Rodgers trying to, to do the remarkable with his recovery. And he touched on the surgical technique a little bit with his McAfee interview, specifically the minimally invasive speed bridge repair. That's He said that's allowed him to do movement quicker and, and speed up the timeline. What is the, spree, the speed bridge repair? Can you kind of let us in on that? Yeah, you know, the corporation that makes it, I'm sure, is exceedingly happy right now. So we've been giving actually a hard time all week this week. <laughs> we'll give them some props here. Actually, the company that makes that, it's called Arthrex. Uh, it's a sports medicine company. They should be paying me for giving them free advertising here. Uh, at any rate, uh, they make it. It essentially is this uh, a different type of suturing technique. Um, and it's hard to go into all the kind of specific details. I, it's actually a technique I use on my uh, rotator cuff repairs. It, it's a terrific technique. Um, it's essentially a technique where you're not tying knots as opposed to now you're doing this technique where you kind of lay down the suture and there's different ways of essentially fixating the suture together. It's more of kind of a, what we call like a knotless type of repair is essentially the concept behind the speed bridge. So uh, it tends to be less suture debris. You tend to spread out the tension across a larger area as opposed to right directly where you're laying your knots down. And so that can promote better healing. And so that would be kind of the concept behind it. I have not used this in the Achilles. Um, and I would say that the data would not say that using that implant on the Achilles, at least right now, it might be because there's not enough data that's out there, would say that that is a better technique than a classic kind of open standard Achilles approach and suture back together technique. So it's a bit much to say that that is the reason why he's so far ahead of the game um, in the Achilles. I can tell you in the shoulder that it's pretty remarkable the difference that that uh, implant construct has made uh, in the rotator cuff world, in particular, as I see it in my practice. You With the Achilles, listen, it, 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 it could aid into speedy recovery and there could be a re-injury uh, just because it's it's not a norm when it comes to that technique. But that's fascinating about the rotator cuff where you're using it on that area. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It, it's one of the few technology things that I use in my practice where I can sit there and say, kind of see it right in front of my eyes. Like, wow, this is, this is different. 
Um, and the techniques already was using were kind of way in advance. And then to throw this on top of it, it's, it's really amazing what our patients with that speed bridge can do in a rotator cuff at six weeks. I'm just shocked at the kind of things they can do. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, Aaron Rodgers, it sounds like he's shooting for a postseason return uh, to be able to make it back in time for the playoffs. And Dr. Brandon, I need to get your, your professional medical opinion on this. I, how far-fetched is that, the Jets making the postseason? <laughs> Do you want me to be honest? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Toss bedside manner aside and just give it to us. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff, fellas. Well, we'll see. We'll they're see where they're one in up. three. They're one in three right now. Yeah, I think there may only be maybe two or three more wins in that, uh, for that club. We can uh, we can all in unison fire up the Joe Willie fur coat and cheer him on. <laughs> Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. A Jock Talk Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. And we're talking the remarkable return of Aaron Rodgers, how quick it's come for him. We'll uh, keep you posted on it. Dr. Brandon, thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, you bet, fellas. Take care. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this Wednesday, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herdant Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Roadshow, Friday, La Vista, the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill, 4 to 6. We are live up there ahead of Nebraska, Illinois. And the watch party commences once we're done, then Real Red Reaction follows. So, need a place to watch the game. Come see us at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill, 4 to 6 and beyond uh, in La Vista. Really great setup TV, Bang Bang Shrimp, pizza, the corn nuggets that Elijah won't share with that hot honey sauce, wings. Odds on favorite for me right now is, uh, is an order of wings on Friday night. That There's nothing better than wings in football. I'm, gonna, I'm going to dip my wings in the Bang Bang sauce. I bet you can get Bang Bang wings. We, we love the Bang Bang sauce so much, we titled a freaking episode after, <laughs> after it. <laughs> right? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can go find Hail Varsity Radio, the whole show, or just what you want to hear episode-wise with the interviews. So do that, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Reminder to buckle up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You heard the Joel Klatt, Colin Cowherd earlier about Harbaugh being a bit disgruntled. Jimbo gets disgruntled, and he's got all the leverage. And if they do what they look like they're capable of doing, they'll be in the playoff a third straight year. The other side of that is Urban Meyer. What do you believe? Do you believe Urban's kicking the tires on Michigan State? Our old friend Jack Ebling, Mr. Spartan Football, reached out to me earlier today. I'm playing phone tag with him. And Bruce Feldman reported a couple of hours ago that Urban's not in the running for that gig. Uh, what you do have is Bernie Furtado. He's a, a Michigan insider. Uh, Michigan sports insider, not just Michigan football, but Michigan State, all of the state. He he covers sports at a high level. Our dear friend Greg Henson, who was with us last year, a colleague of his, last week, excuse me, a, a colleague of his. And what, what, what Bernie's reporting is Urban was in East Lansing Tuesday. There's supposed to be a preliminary interview. 
on, on this and just maybe a feeling out process. Here's my question with Urban. He wants to coach again. I, I know he does. But is Michigan State loaded up with enough talent? They're not what Florida was. They're not what Ohio State was. But Mel has put some dudes on that team. And the cynical joke is, why not go for the trifecta Michigan State, Nasser, Mel Tucker, now Urban Meyer? Huh. The, the trifecta, right? I mean, the, the, tri- the trifecta there. So, well, For all we know, this could be a very Nebraska situation where Michigan State just sitting down with Urban, trying to what get his What do you think opinion. of the team? Who should we hire? Yeah. We really aren't interested in you, Urban, but secretly we're vetting you. Listen, um, I don't know that Sparty's close to where Florida was when he took over Florida. They're not close to what Ohio State was, right? When he took them over, Urban does not go into places to rebuild. He wants it ready-made. He wants groceries in the cupboard, in the pantry, and in the fridge. He just wants to make his meal and then get out. And Sparty, smart enough at one point in their life to hire Saban, smart enough to hire D'Antonio, could they get Urban? And if Harbaugh may be on his way out, you absolutely Take it that that job if you're urban. You don't have to compete with Michigan. Who are they going to get to replace Harbaugh? We'll talk more at four tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. A Huda Media Production.